praise the Lord. Let's bow heads for prayer, please. We thank you, Father, that you are indeed amazing. We pray, O oh God, whilst we are gathered here today, you reveal yourself to us. And that, as was said in the Bible, he became another man, Saul. May we also find in your word this experience of change. To the end that we may conform to your image. To the end that we will be fruit-bearing Christians. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, I'd like us to share a few thoughts on something that has attracted me since I was a young Christian and continues to engage me. And it's taken from chapter 5 and verse 48. The subject of perfection. Verse 48 is in King James. I'll be using a lot of amplified, so please bear that in mind. The King James says, Be ye per therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. If you have a King James, the amplified version of that, I would really appreciate. It says, You therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen. And the theme is dimensions of perfection. Dimensions of perfection. When I was, I got into Christ many years ago, this is over 40 years ago, I don't know how, nobody told me, but somehow I programmed in myself. The ones I could every day talk to God in prayer, have my quiet time, and read a few verses of scripture according to the daily guide, or in those days, daily power. The scripture, secondary school one, is daily power. And um, say, say a few prayers for my friends and family. And make sure that the evenings I'm at the fellowship meeting, I felt I was very good. I was very good. That was my understanding of perfection. And I agree with that for a very long time. I was, once, I, once you are not smoking, you are not drinking, you are not fornicating, you are not uh, involved with certain bad things, stealing, lying, and things, it's very easy to sit and as a Christian think that oh, once I'm cool. How many of us feel that way sometimes? But when you hear about all the crimes that people are committing, you say, oh, thank God. I'm not. You know, and then as I progressed, as I lived a bit longer by the grace of God, I realized that I was not preaching. I was not teaching. I was not so much of an example. I was not 
wild, but I was also not entering the territory of the enemy. I was, I was non-confrontational, non-aligned. I didn't have spiritual identity in the midst of the un, unsaved. And I, I didn't aspire to do anything that would bother me or take too much out of me. And I'm very sure that maybe here, like people go, once you come to church and you do all the right things in terms of if pastor were to ask you, are you in fellowship? You say, oh, I'm king's man or triumphant. And you come to the meetings, okay, good. And you say, okay, what group are you? I'm in dynamic voices and you sing well. And I'm in that group, and I'm in that group, and I, I usher, and you are listed when the church wants to, when the role is called up yonder in the church, and they identify those who are doing well. Everybody can testify that you are a good sister or a good brother. When you take it into the dimension of the home, you are a non-confrontational husband. You have never lifted up your hand or your voice against your wife or your husband. It looks all perfect. And that's the way the path that many of us, as we journey in the search for perfection, as the scripture said, we, we work on. And I, I think it's a good idea, it's a great idea to, to do that. But this morning, I want you to know that there are many dimensions of this thing called perfection. That is why it's important to have so, so far I saw you and your daughter welcome amen that is why it's important to have what we call a receptive spirit an open spirit you know the writer of Hebrews told the people in chapter 5 from verse 11 to 12 there about he said I have to say to you but seeing that you are not ready I realize that the secret in expanded understanding of perfection is readiness. If your system is not open, you can live that life and end up at the end of life as somebody else, in the finality of time to realize that there were many things that you could have done to perfect the will of God in your life whilst you are on earth. You may go to heaven alright, because maybe they, they may not find sin so much. But you see, your inability to discern the voice of the Spirit is also a problem. Your inability to operate in the manifestations of the Spirit is an issue. But that is not all. You know, Apostle Paul talks about that in First Corinthians 30. He says, you can speak in tongues and work miracles and prophesy and all, but you have not loved. You have a problem. But even more, when you come to Jesus, Jesus, I'm just giving an introduction summary of the things I'll talk about. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in, and the scribes in, in, in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. He said, uh, you tight mint, uh, spices, you take, uh, you are very meticulous. You are careful to make sure that in that area of righteousness, perfection, you are correct. Everybody knows. You don't wear, like last week or so, pastor had to go on some people about the way they dress. You, 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 you're always very fine. You don't wear offensive clothing. You don't, do, you don't speak any way that anybody will be uncomfortable. You are part of everything that you ought to be. You are a good Christian in the eyes of all of us. But the, 
when we are on that level of understanding of perfection, the scripture equates us to the Pharisees and the, the scribes. So you tithe, maintain, you do all of those things, but you have left the weightier matters of the law. Tithe what is the law. And he gives, says justice, mercy, and he talks about truth. This morning as we desire to exercise, move into the realms of perfection, look at, the, go back to the verse in the, the, new, the Amplified. It says, therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity. Growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind. That's why we have to talk about renewing of the mind on Wednesday. So it means that a person can be godly, but not fully mature in the godliness. A person can be good, but not fully mature in the goodness. A person can be loving, but not fully mature in love. When you go to John, First John, you see many times he talks about perfect love. Maturity in love. So, yes, I can give you something, share a smile, but that can be just one level of the love that he's talking about. There are levels of the love, which will show my perfection or your perfection. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to bring across this morning, in the beginning, is that can we have our spiritual uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, uh, taste buds or, or appetite expanded. You know, when, you, when your appetite is small, you don't have big appetite. When you, you eat just kinky like my hand, you think you've eaten. But when the appetite is like Bukumbanku's appetite, because you have been trained that way, and you can deal with five balls at a sitting or six balls at a sitting, you realize that it's a different game altogether. Three is not enough. Hallelujah. So, it, 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 I realize that, Auntie Beatrice, welcome, as former Faith Builders Director, now at Sakumono. Did you bring the youth? You came along with them. Your husband is with them. Oh, you are alone. Okay, welcome. Yeah. Oh, give her a hand. She served us here faithfully. This, oh, the handshake, the clapping is weak. She's one of our oldest, she's one of the pioneers of faith builders. Many people were taught by her. She was our director for many years. Even though she was young in those days, she still taught the word. They are twins. Pastor Felix Hammond's two twin sisters, Beatrice and Marian. They've been very faithful in serving in this house. Amen. So it's easy for all of us to get to a state in our spirituality where we are blinded by what the standards of our spiritual culture. You know, when you are Pentecostal, charismatic, usually it's as if there's a school that you have to graduate in. When you are born again and you attend the routine faith builders and all of these classes and you are finished, a lot of times once you speak in tongues, and maybe you prophesy, and you have a ministry, you have a right. You can decide to go back in the way of the mind of many people. You can old worldly behavior, even fight in the church, and do, do all the things that everybody, and still, once you are, you are still prophesying, and you are still doing what Do you realize all that? Are you with me? It happens. That is why it's important that our aspiration there has to be always the appetite for expansion. There must always be a yearning. You see, when I was a younger Christian, one of the things that changed my 
my, my perspective. Now I'm standing here to teach because of that appetite that I got. There's a brother called Brother Faith. Faith Asari and some others that I knew in Calvary Road. And when I was young, I saw, I, I borrowed one of his books, his notebook. And I saw that, apart from my quiet time notes, I didn't, there were so many issues in the faith that I didn't know. When I looked at the topics, I said, ah, this topic too, I don't know. The second coming of Christ, I don't know. This one, I don't know. This one, I don't know. This one, I realized that when I looked in the syllabus, oh, I was in class one. Then I said, no, me too, I have to know. And not know into my head, but I have to actualize spiritual principles of this kingdom of this, the kingdom of God, this, this uh, and this is not a Bible school, this is a desire. And the scripture says, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, ask. So I began to desire. I said, me too, apart from wanting to desire spiritual, I want this, I want this, I also want to be, have this thing in my brain. All the things that are listed there, the covenant, the new covenant, the difference between the old and the new, I didn't know all that, but I was a Christian. And I, I, I had my quiet time daily. And I was praying every day. And I was, going, I was meeting people in fellowship. But I didn't know. And so at that level, I was operating at a level of perfection. Within my scope of spiritual understanding, I was, I was perfect. But in the global kingdom scope, and the assignment that God had given to me, I was imperfect. You see, we must shift from this personal or cultural or societal perspective of our perfection to the divine perspective of our perfection. There is something called divine that is, you see, when God called him, he was operating within the, 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 his, his, his zealotry perfection. In his own mind, the way he wanted to bring about the kingdom was the way, you know, make yourself a judge among Jews or Israelites talk to them, and in his own way, trying to settle and fulfill the fact that it's not fair. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So in his own understanding, he took it up, that mantle, and he began to execute his campaign until he got thrown out, and God had to now arrest him in the wilderness. And now, open a spiritual understanding I said, the thing you are doing is bigger than one-on-one fight settlement. The issue is about a nation. It's about the world. Your agenda is bigger. See, when your appetite is small, when your understanding is small, that's why we pray for spiritual understanding. When your understanding is small, your scope, your, your horizon towards life, and the things you think you need to do what you have to do, usually you are limited. Some of us, our worldview and kingdom view is only limited to our fellowship, our ministry, our ashes, our even some are limited to only CFCC. I want you to know that when you are a child of God, your well, your kingdom view ought to to. to Grow big, open up. Because there are some people are here that if tomorrow God came and said to somebody to open a door for you in another one way or the other, you you wrestle because your worldview, your kingdom view is very narrow. You say like Moses, I don't even know why am I going to say to Pharaoh 
and I don't even know where I'm go- what I'm going to say. Because your understanding of perfection, so far as you are concerned, as you are in Egypt and you are in the palace and you, you sneak out from time to time and do what you believe is the Lord's bidding, you are happy. But I said, be progressive, growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character. So the mind, your view, the way you see your, your assignment in the kingdom. Ambassadors, but your whole your whole kingdom perspective is how you can prepare for a Sunday and sing. The issue is bigger than singing. In fact, it's bigger than being uh, being applauded by CSC audience. Some of you you have a global agenda. Some of us have, it, but you are not because you can't even go beyond your Sunday or your Wednesday or your your, your routine schedule. So it's difficult. To prepare. There is an element. The fact that you have seen it doesn't mean you have to actualize it. But as you see, then your preparation begins. And when your day of manifestation comes, nobody is going to tell anybody that your time has come. When your day comes, nobody is going to tell you your time has come. It will just come. And everybody will know that this boy, this girl, this woman, this man, something is about him. Something is about her. Somewhere or the other, God will create the way. The reason why many of us haven't yet seen, are living in kind of restricted perfection is because our horizon, our appetite. Paul said, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Says, Concerning this, we have much to say. Which is hard to explain. Since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish. Even slothful in achieving spiritual world insight. That is the, where the issue is. So it means that, for, and when you go to the next chapter, you say, let us, after these teachings, let's move on to perfection. Which means that, this, this, the, 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 the only hindrance between them, and their perfect state of spiritual understanding or spiritual manifestation is their spiritual insight. If, there, if you only God could, if you could, only you could, you could open up yourself for God to, to rob of something of understanding. And if you could, if you, if you could sorting yourself on your culture, your, your views, your tradition, your, your understanding of how God can use you. That is the issue. Beyond what your traditional understanding of God is. It will make a whole lot of difference. It will make a whole lot of difference. Then he says, then I can deposit in you. Look at the next verse. Even though by this time you ought to be teaching others. Ah, yeah, yeah. Ten years in the faith. Fifty years in Christ. Oh, we were the pillars of the church. We have been around long. What is the evidence? What is the evidence of perfection? Kingdom, much as longevity plays a role in maturity, is not all there is to maturity. Longevity, being long around, is good. But it's not the all in all. There is a cutoff point where longevity becomes insignificant. It's like in the accounts books. You know when you have certain kind of assets, 
and they come and value the assets of your company, your, they do the accounts, they, say, they call something depreciation. And there are some assets when you have, they give it zero value over the period. When you buy it fresh, they put it in. A few years down the line, it means nothing. It's the same when it comes to the kingdom. At a point in time, your longevity, how long you have been in the kingdom, can help you. Because we respect you for your, the time that you have faithfully served and worked and all of that. But at a certain point, that help is supposed to help you to become a teacher. And when you fail in that, you are disqualified in a way. Unless the grace of God comes again, appears again, it's kind of difficult to catch up. So he says, even though you ought to be teaching others, you actually need to, some, to teach you over. Again, the very first principles of the course of God's word. You have come to need milk, not solid food. That is one of the pains of the kingdom today. Even pastors, even ministers, people. Because, and the whole thing is not because of the material, the food is not there, but, uh, but, but disposition. It's an issue of disposition. Thought, attitude, posturing. Attitude. You know they are debating about the posture of the EC commissioner. Posture is important as action. Don't lie yourself. Posture is very important. It speaks a message. Because of our posture, sometimes it's difficult for God to say, you are ready. And that I can trust you to, for, to lift this group of people or this person or this uh, spiritual assignment from this level to another level. You need a certain spiritual appetite. Also, that's why the scripture says in Chronicles that his eye is moving to and fro. You know, Gideon was in, in a place in the book of Judges. He was in a place he was pressing uh, what do you call it, wheat by the wine press. It means that he was hiding from the Midianites. But he, he, God could tell from his appetite. You see, he asked the question to God. He asked God a question. Say, why are we under this subjugation if God is with us? It means he, the things we muse over, the things we think about, the things that worry us, God can pick it. And he said that out of those worries, God can make at all. Say amen. So God could tell that, Gideon, that's, you, are, you are trying. You want to feed the people. But there is a bigger assignment beyond feeding the people that I want to give to you. I want you to be the one that will be used for deliverance. He said, I'm not ready, like Moses said. I'm not ready. That's his level of perfection. Me, this is how I've coined myself. Some of us, that's how we have looked at ourselves, even in the church. Me, that's what, the way, the, the, way the, 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 the terrain is rough. So me, I want to be just in my life. That's why, you know, every Wednesday I'm here, every day I do this. I don't have, you are just like the uh, Matthew 23, 23. You tight, mint, and all of those things. But the weightier matters of the law, you are missing out. And the scripture says that God's eye is moving around. Identifying some Gideon. Identifying some Moses. Identifying some Ajua. Identifying some Akosia. Identifying some Kwame. But wherever you are, some Yao. Some Ajo. Somewhere, and say, I have something for you. People are waiting. The way you are, you are, you are coining, cornering yourself. That is not, I didn't call you to be in the corner. Even though I say you should write in every corner. That's not why I want you. There is something that I have for you. But you have resigned yourself and say, oh, I'm happy. 
And everybody accepts that, oh, you are doing that thing very well. And in our eyes, and your own eyes, there is perfection. But he talks about progressive perfection. And that's why the scripture talks about measure. The measure you receive, the measure you gave. In God, when the judgment day comes and God is looking, he's not going to look at the fact that you did it or I did it. He's going to look at the measure that I was given. The measure you were given. Or the measure you could have done. And the measure I could have done. And it will be too late to get back to the earth to put it right. Say amen. Three major dimensions I want to deal with in this short time. Number one, is the dimension of reception or receptability. Number two, I'm, talk, I'm talking about perfection. Perfection in reception. Perfection indeed. Perfection in love. Three. There are many other dimensions, but I want to just tackle these two, three things. And then the Lord will bless us. When you go to the Matthew 23, 23 I talked about, Jesus links it to something. Matthew 23, 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pretenders, hypocrites, for you give a tenth of your mint and dill and cumin. All these are supposed to be spices, and all that, and have neglected and omitted the weightier, more important matters of the law. I, I give my tithe every day, my pledges, I honor it. I'm in church every day. I'm, everybody knows me, pastor knows me, uh, deacons all are my friends. Everybody knows I, what I've asked to do, I stick to the rules. I don't deviate. Then he says, But the weightier matters of the law, right. Justice, mercy, and fidelity. Some say fidelity. Americans say fidelity. English people say fidelity. These you ought particularly to have done without neglecting the other. It means, these, now the church, now we're talking institutionally. Not CEFC, the church, body of Christ. When it comes to these matters, justice, you see, the way we are, there's a lot of injustice in our nation and around our workplaces. How many of us ever think that God gives you an assignment to stand up for the truth? When you see the fire coming, you say, I mean, I mean, see no evil, hear no evil. How many will stand up for a worker who is being victimized unfairly and say to the boss or to somebody and say, Sir, this thing you are doing to this sister or this person, even though it's not my relative, it's not right. Or you belong to a tribe or a group that is being favored and you can speak to your boss and say, no. Boss, this injustice that we are being favored, I, I don't feel right about this money you are giving to us or this promotion which is not based on fairness or equity. I'm not comfortable. But you see, we are Christians. We come to church every day and we, criticize, we talk about all this bribery. That is where the root is. That's a level of perfection that we are talking about. Perfection in truth. Perfection in deed. We are here. We are, we, 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 we are, they call us the voiceless majority. Because we never make our voices heard anywhere. 
Thank God for people like Mr. Isankuma. On anything, it's not just about government issues. That little committee or wherever you are working or wherever you are a child of God, do you think that preaching justice is not part of your, my assignment or your assignment? In your family, that's your small family. Speaking the truth, the Bible says, speaking the truth in love. The fact that you should, you should speak justice doesn't mean you should do it arrogantly. No, it says, do it in love. And Jesus is emphatic. He says, you have neglected justice as an institution, as a church, as a body. We don't often talk, we don't, we don't encourage ourselves to stand up for what is right in society. In our little corners, in our little world, yeah, if it's against us, we will mobilize people against to stand up. But if it's for society, if it's happening, because some of us have been to school, we have all the professorial, academic, we will not even write an article to, for people to know that this thing that is going on here is not good. No. Because we love our, we love our post, we love our, our little enjoyment. We don't want to risk you know, the way this works, the way it is. You know, if we talk too much, we do this. If you are not care, because we, we, the truth of the matter is that the spirit of boldness that Christ has given us according to Colossians, uh, according to Second Timothy chapter 1, we don't want to exercise it. It's period, but we use nice words to explain. We use rhetoric. We use beautiful sounding explanations. Rationalization. We are not, none of, many of us are not known to stand up for what is right in any community. Jesus said, that is our job. And Jesus proved it. John the Baptist proved it. Paul proved it. That beyond, as we are preaching, yes, people have to be saved. They have to go to heaven and all of that. But as we are preaching, we need to understand. As we are talking to people, as we also need to know that in and the way we live, train our children to stand up for that which is right. Train ourselves and, and encourage one another if somebody gets into trouble for her. Jesus said, we have left the weightier matter. Justice. Mercy. Most of our mercy we show in church is organizational mercy. When I say organizational mercy, like we send hospital group to go to hospital. That's organizational mercy. Not individual mercy. Group, I mean, the, 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 as an institution, showing mercy to individuals or institutions, groups of people that are, need mercy. No. And yet, this morning we're talking about, Pastor Bimbo was speaking about, he talked about mercy. But the scripture says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So, mercy doesn't, God doesn't show us mercy just because we say, Lord, show us mercy, Lord, show us. God, Jesus has given us the, the, the method in the Beatitudes. When we show mercy to those that need mercy, compassion, we're able to let go what people really uh, don't deserve, we, we, we give it to them. Hallelujah. Person needs to be judged, condemned, and written on. And we say, okay, out of our magnanimity, doesn't matter. That understanding is in there, especially when people offend. And we think that people are spiritually not the way or morally not to our standard. Many times, we who are evangelicals, one of our weaknesses is we, should, we don't understand. We can't draw the line between God's judgment and the mercy of God. 
we, we enjoy the part of the judgment to the detriment of the message. That's why many of our saints, when they are wounded, pastors, leaders who are offended, who have problems, we can't even when the media and public have forgiven them, we can't. Because of our self-righteousness, many times we, we look at people and say, oh, this sister or this brother, even though we don't say it with our mouth, it's in our attitude. And Jesus said, if we are talking about weightier matters of the law, one of the things that matters most is justice. The other thing is mercy. If I want to grow in perfection, in truth, or in deed, then I must begin to see how much of the mercies of God, especially in relating to brethren, in relating to people that are not of my kind. Many of us can't relate to people who don't do the things we think they ought to do. We can't, forbe- we can't bear them. When a person is different from us, by whatever orientation, it's so difficult for us to even, you know, because our religiosity has taught us that the Jew must not contaminate, must not see. I'm not saying that go and marry an unbeliever. No, that's the. That, but to be able to have in our heart a room of compassion, a room that says that in spite of who you, what you, who you have done, that the, the, the requires God judgment and killing, I still will hold you. I'll support you. I'll be there for you as a brother or as a sister. We have missed it. Oftentimes, we are very good at ensuring. You see, God is a God of justice, but not judgmental. We are good at the judgmental side, but not good at the justice side. Judgmental means ruling on, uh, on people's final destiny. That's all. My, my late mother-in-law used to say that, hey, as for you people, you are the only people who can go into post hats and tell those who are God's people and those who are not God's people, just by a few observations. And usually when we see that that person is not within our definition of God's person, we see our whole chemistry is changed. May God help us. May we grow perfect in exercising justice, mercy, and truth. In so doing, in fact, when you look at First John three eighteen, look at it for me in the amplified. Let us, children, let us love. Let us not love merely in theory, in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice. And in sincerity. That's another level of it. Now let's look at the perfection in love. First Corinthians 13, 13 tells us, Now these three abide, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. Now that's very significant in the faith that we are in. Because for you to make it into the kingdom... You need to operate in faith. You need to sh- have hope that God, Christ God, uh, is going to come. Or there is eternity. Or eternal life. So then he asks that, but these three, love is the greatest. And interestingly, faith and hope don't usually deal with people. It's about God in the main. But when it comes to love, 
When you go back after reading 1 Corinthians 13 and you go and link it with John, you will see the definition of love according to 1 John in chapter 2 and also in chapter 4 and chapter 5, you're going to realize that God's definition of love when it matures is in twofold. Number one is in obedience to God. Number two is in loving the brethren. Those are the two major indicators of maturity in love. So they are both things that are kind of earthly. Things that you can see and feel and experience in the kingdom. But yet, they are the ultimate when it comes to love, the perfection of love. When it says uh, perfect love, let's go to the, uh, chapter, four, chapter 4 verse 18, 1 John. When it talks about perfect love, cast out fear. 1 John. He said, there is no fear in love. Actually, it, it makes more meaning when you start from the earlier verses about the first John 1. Um, okay, 18. I'll take it 18 to 21. It says, and let's start from 18. It says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns, uh, turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so who is afraid is not he who is afraid is not reached and full, the full maturity of love is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. You see, one of the major hindrances to perfect love among brethren is fear. I got wounded last time. I don't want to be wounded again. I got hurt. I, I gave out love, but I, I gave it all. And they gave me wickedness in return. They gave me ingratitude in return. So there is always that caution. But he says, when you mature in love, that fear is thrown out. It's expelled. There's no room. So the fact that one is is still wavering in stepping out in love to the brethren is an indication that that thing is not fully thrown out. It's not thrown out. Then he goes on and says, expels every... Oh, please help me. Go back there. We are taught of punishment. And who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. It's not yet grown into love's complete perfection. It's an indication. When there is suspicion, mistrust, and hey, maybe if I go and show, help this person, and then what will happen? If I try, and, and yet Jesus set the standard that perfect, he set the standard that we must be perfect in love. So, yes, you are doing so. But you see, he even gave an illustration. James said, what if you do it for your brethren? You haven't done anything. So we are talking about love that stretches to others beyond those who are our children, our wives, our spouse, our family, and others. Then go on to verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. 20. If anyone says, I love God, and hates, look at the criteria, the test for loving God, and hates, detests, abominates his brother in Christ. He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21. And this command, charge, order, injunction. It means when you see an injunction, it means if you don't do it, you are in, to- in, in contempt. Or you are, there's a law, there's a fine, there's a penalty. Or there is a restraint. Define restraint. God is, God, you are, it's a contrary thing from God. Something will come. It's a stoppage. Hallelujah. 
It's an enforcement we have from him. It means that when it comes to love, eh, it's not about options. When it comes to loving, if you are still a Christian, you are born again, you, you may be a leader, you may be anything, but yet you, you, you think it's an option. It's not an option. Accepting brethren, accepting people that are, are not easy to love, even the people that are difficult. One day God gave me a sermon, loving the unlovable. When the Lord opened the door, I'll, t- I'll t- talk about that. And because it's not my choice. That's why Paul said, for the love of God constrains me. Sometimes it's difficult. When you look at the natural, it doesn't make sense. The kind of tolerance level you have to exercise to accommodate certain people, even in the church. But the love of God has to constrain you. But if you are somebody who is overly calculated on your measure of love, then your maturity, even though you have been in the faith for 20 years, 30 years, you are part of the pioneers of the church and of the movement and everywhere, anointed, speaking in tongues, everything, I suggest to you that you are not mature in love. Because the scripture says, and we have from him, we have an injunction this is the command, and we are willing to. We have no choice than to love. When our spirits can accept that, then we have come to maturity. If your spirit cannot accept that, you haven't come to maturity. You haven't come to perfection. If your spirit only is still at the discriminatory level, at the subjective level, at the optional level, I'm telling you that you have not come to maturity. But he says, we have come from him, that he who loves God shall love his brother. Believer also. Say amen. Finally. In the same Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 1 to 3 tells us areas of maturity when it comes, as I said, receptability. When I say reception or receptability, I'm talking about two things. Number one, things where you can receive and understand or perceive shows your maturity. Some people can only receive word which encourages. Such people have not come to maturity. They don't understand rebuke. They, do, they only know exhortation, encouragement. You haven't come to maturity. You come to maturity when you, the, the, the scriptures that are, the, 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 the words that are mentioned in first, second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, when he says that the word of God is for a three, a fourfold purpose. When you can accept the word of God as a doctrine, as an exhortation, as a rebuke, as an instruction in righteousness, then, and, have, and still not be offended. When you can understand that your measure of the scripture, the, 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 the doctrine you know is limited. And that is where a lot of us, again, present day uh, evangelicals are lacking. The apostle writer of Hebrews was talking about the, 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 the issue of doctrine. So when he goes, he says, therefore... Let us go on and deal. The whole book of Hebrews is mainly about doctrine, unlike the other uh, epistles. 
He's dealing with the, 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 the doctrine of our, mainly about where man came from, the journey of man unto eternal salvation. So chapter 6, chapter 5, we talked about the fact that he said you are not ready to, you don't have the receptacles for that which I want to teach you. Now one of the areas says, therefore let us go on to, and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and the doctrine of Christ, the Messiah. She's advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance and abundance of their works. That's how I was when I started in the faith. I thought that once every sin I commit, I come to God and I'm okay. That's how many of us are. That's the level we are. It's only about, okay, everything. Make sure that you don't steal. You don't lie. Today, have you lied today? Have you had a, and, and sometimes the scripture union president will come and say, have you had a quiet time? And have you had, if you haven't had a quiet time, you are in trouble. Then that's when you feel guilty. But if you've had your quiet time, you feel very righteous. When you are sitting in the meeting, and they ask you, have you had a quiet time? And your neighbor hasn't had and you have had. It's like you are very good. And every time they ask, then when they do sword drill, and then you are, you are the champion. Quote and I quote. And you are the champion because you know the scriptures, some of the scriptures. It makes you feel good. But you see, the apostle is saying that no, that's not perfect. That's not complete. That knowing about salvation and the foundation of and, uh, and, uh, uh, abandonment of the dead works. I mean, that oh, leave evil and come to good. That's good. But he says, beyond that, and on the faith by which we attend to God, many of us, I mean, Okay, but we quote Mark 11, 23 to 24, and we talk about faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, and all of that. And I name it, I claim it. That's faith. But he says, if you have that understanding up to that level, you haven't started. If your doctrinal foundation or your teaching foundation is there, you haven't started. So then I began to ask myself, then what else is there? So when you read the, chapter, the same chapter, Time will not allow me. But you see that from verse 9 down, he begins to expound on some of the things that make for maturity. That shows that when you are able to receive those teachings and get into, get into verse 9 there about, verse 11 there about quickly. Even though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we are not firmly convinced or better things, that are near to salvation and accompany it. So, so from verse 10, he begins to unfold the things that accompany salvation, that are critical. So you look at chapter 7, look at chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, then the 13, he summarizes with a few things. But from chapter 7 down, what is the apostle, the, the writer of Hebrews talking about? He's talking about the new covenant. There are many of us who are here, who cannot distinguish between the old order, the pre-old covenant, the pre-mosaic era? How different is the, the scripture? When you take the Bible, you just take Genesis. You just take Moses. You just quote something from Abraham. You don't understand the story. And the contest within the Abrahamic covenant stood as against the mosaic covenant. And you go and pick something from Leviticus. That's why many of us, we are burying things in our homes and prophets are digging things. If you understood the order of the old covenant and the Moses and the role of the priest today and the likeliness of Christ, the, 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 the likeness to Christ and the role of Christ today, the priestly ministry of Christ today, as apostle begins to expound from chapter 7, chapter 8, and the role of the blood and the, the reconciliation, all of this tribalism and all this in the church is because people don't understand. All this separatism, 
if you understand the new covenant and the blood and the purpose of the blood, the unity it brings into the body, the bridges it breaks. The reason why you cannot, many of us cannot pray is because you don't understand the covenants. You don't understand that the new covenant has given to us better promises, wherein our high priest Jesus, having entered in once, the scripture talks about the fact that he standeth and maketh intercession for us daily. You, we, 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 the reason why our prayer, we, we, are, we are crying to pray is because we haven't understood that he is sitting there in Hebrews 4.16. He says that, therefore, let us come boldly under the new covenant. In the old covenant, they were afraid to enter. You see, when you understand that, your prayer is not motivated by prayer leader or group prayer. You yourself, even in your quiet moment, you are bathing, you are praying. Wherever you are, you are, you are driving, you are, your, spirit, your spirit is praying. The reason why many of us don't understand the desire, have a desire to study the word and always have to be cranked up to read, it, read the word. You see, you see, there's something about knowing the, 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 the testament. For you to enjoy a whale, you must read the whale. Read the whale. If I lay on, is it 20? He talks about the fact that the things, the, verse 6, the things become activated by acknowledging every good thing in us in Christ Jesus. When you don't know the thing in you, you can't activate the things, the promises. That is why we read Bible. We don't read Bible to meet our pastor and pastor say, have you ever prepared for Sunday school? Yeah, yeah I have. That mindset, it shows your, your immaturity. Or something just to satisfy ourselves. It's because we, are, we have a perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God. The understanding, that's why I say the reception. What, what room is there inside the spirit? If the thing is not there, the appetite is not there, under these Hebrews, there, there, there must be a certain maturity in the openness. When you delve in there, you are going to realize that, hey, there is, it says, it's, the new covenant is based on better, a, a better covenant, a better promises. So, what are the promises? And if it is in the studying of the word that we gain access. Pastor Bimbo earlier on was talking about in Second Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. He was quoting about the fact that grace and peace be multiplied. Look at that verse and see what it says over there under the New Testament. Grace and peace. No, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, I mean. May grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, and all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears, and agitating passions, and moral conflict, be multiplied to you in full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and Jesus of our Lord, our Lord and Jesus our Lord. In other words, if you don't know the word of God, peace will delude you. You miss out. You'll be misled. You'll be looking for peace in wrong places. Where are the things here? Because grace, multiplication of grace, comes through knowledge. And knowledge is the word of God. Many of us are missing. Because we, don't, we are not going perfect in the new covenant. We are not going perfect in the understanding of the promises and the things that he has made. And the whole faith experience has become very mechanical. When it's mechanical, we get mechanical results. But tonight, today, as we wind up, 
I want our hearts and our desire. I won't be able to say everything I want to say, but it's okay. Number one, have a desire that I want to be perfect indeed and in truth. I want to be perfect in love. I want to be perfect in receiving what I have to receive, particularly God's word for my life. There must be some appetite, which unusual appetite. When you have that appetite, it will, nobody will force you to buy books. Some of us, you, you, I, I don't remember the last time any bought books, Christian book. How can you grow? You don't buy, you don't search. All the Christianity, your faith has been, you have, all, 365 days of quiet time cannot make you grow strong, my brother. Did you hear me? 365 days of faithful quiet time will not make you strong. It will help you to survive. But you cannot be boisterous. You cannot be effective. You cannot impact anybody's life significantly. But your agenda is not for you. Have extra oil to be a blessing to somebody. And for you to get that extra oil, you need to go to the petrol dump, to go to, to tour, to fill the, the not jerry can. Don't do the one they do in Lagos. One thought, one thought. Go and fill and have extra. People will depend on you because some of us, we have been in the church 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and we are not, we, we can't even share 15 minutes exhortation when they ask you to talk about Christ and the, the things you know in Christ. What are you in the faith for? 15 years? And you cannot share freely? When they, when they tell you that they are punishing you, you are in a Sunday school class. If tomorrow your teacher says, oh, you've been in this class for 10 years, 5 years, can you lead us next week? Then you'll be panicking. That week you won't come. Because they want to embarrass me. They are, this is why they like asking questions too much. That's why I, mean, I decided that Sunday school no crime in baby. Remember, because they like this teacher there. She likes asking questions too much. I will come to Auntie Eunice's class and they will say, Okay, Code, do you remember the last memory verse? And maybe I may not be able to say it. And then they will, the children will be there. They will be laughing at me. I don't like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, mobile. Oh, yeah, yeah, mobile. It's not a good thing. It doesn't show that you want to mature. And you see, if you don't mature, it will be difficult for God to trust you with the jewels of the kingdom. God wants to trust us. I want to do more. I'm preparing for my next 10, 15 years by the grace of God. I'm so I'm, I'm having to enter into a realm of study and a realm of relationship with God which can take me there and be relevant not only to one or two, three people or in our church. No, I want to be relevant to the kingdom of God. I, I, I see, I have to see inside my spirit and see what God is bringing, where God is bringing me. Another 10, 15 years, 20 years, the Lord tarries. So it's, it, it's beyond my family. It's beyond my, I'm uh, having sharing with my wife. Or, no, 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 no. My relevance has to be where God wants me to. And the depth of it depends on how deep I delve. It's like a story building. You want to build a, build a, a skyscraper? Dig deep. If you have forgotten, go back and rebuild. If you have left it and do shallow, when the, war, the storms come, it wave, move it away. But I plead with you, desire to be, be perfect. At least in love. At least in word. At least in these things that I'm talking about. And you will see what difference God will make in your life. God is going to tell you and use you. Because as for the using, you don't have to tell God, I'm ready. He sees you already himself. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. He himself. The fire will burn. And you will see people, whenever you open, you may not speak much. Wherever you find yourself with people, you see the difference will be sure. 
Let's bow our heads. Have a desire this afternoon. May the Lord enlarge our appetite in our realm of perfection. It's not enough to say that I don't fornicate, I don't lie, I don't steal. It's not enough to say, I know about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not enough to say, oh, I, 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 I have read the Psalms or Psalm 23. It's not enough to say, I have Psalm 27. It's not enough to say, I have Psalm 91. I learned it when I was in Sunday school. You can do that better. You can serve the Lord in excellence. You can, you can excel. And God will be pleased with you. It's not enough to say, oh, I, 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 I do good. Only this one I don't do. May God perfect our values, our ethics. And I say to your young especially, the scripture says that in, it's often many times we use it for uh, different purposes. But the reality, that scripture in, in Proverbs 8 verse 17, when he says, I love those who love me. And those that seek me early, they find me. It's talking about wisdom. If you are young, your appetite must be stronger, bigger than even those who are older. Love the Lord in your youth. Make room for Him in your youth. Have a passion. Love those who love me and those that seek me early. Seek Him while you are young. That's wisdom. Let there be appetite. Let there be a desire. Say, Holy Spirit, I need a new level of desire. I need a new, a new understanding of your purpose in my life. Project my insight into another realm. May God find us and see our readiness for the next level.